Welcome to Behind the Curtain, LA Opera's podcast series in which we look deeply at the creative process and explore opera's enduring themes and power to move us. Hello, and welcome to our pre-concert lecture for Handel's Alcina. George Friedrich Handel's professional situation in 1735, the year he composed and staged Alcina, was challenging to say the least. For 15 years, he had pretty much enjoyed a monopoly presenting Italian opera in his adopted home city of London. Back in 1719, he had established a joint stock opera company, the Royal Academy of Music, not to be confused with the later conservatory. By the early 1730s, however, there was growing opposition to the Academy and Handel, who enjoyed the support of King George II with little additional oversight, a privilege that upset the social status quo, which generally placed composers in the servant ranks. In 1733, two years before Alcina came to the stage, a group of the powerful formed a new opera company, the Opera of the Nobility, under the patronage of the king's son, Frederick, the Prince of Wales. Take that, dad. This new company scored a major coup, hiring superstar castrati like Senezino, who had fallen out with Handel and could now take his revenge. And yes, the business of opera can be as highly charged and dramatic as opera itself. Handel was a hard-nosed and persuasive artist entrepreneur. He had already survived the collapse of the original Academy in 1728 after nine seasons, yet still managed to garner enough support to open a second or new Academy the next year. But now he had serious competition. And on top of that, public demand for Italian opera seria was losing steam in London as audiences were drawn to other entertainments like John Gay's new beggar's opera in English. When Handel's company lost its place at the King's Theatre, the opera of the nobility immediately moved in. So Handel found himself needing one, an attractive venue, and two, a hit opera to stay in the game. Once again, fortune smiled on Handel, this time in the form of the newly built theater at Covent Garden under the management of actor and impresario John Rich, who, ironically, had made a financial killing producing the Beggar's Opera. Covent Garden not only offered the attraction of the new, but was also tricked out with the latest equipment for spectacular stage effects which we put to excellent use for Handel's magic-themed Alcina. The opera premiered on April 16, 1735, and ran for 18 performances through the end of the season, becoming Handel's biggest success in some years. So what made the work so special? To begin to answer that question, let's turn to the original source for Handel's anonymous libretto, Ludovico Ariosto's poem Orlando Furioso, Raging Roland, an epic set in the time of Charlemagne's battles against the Saracen Muslims, first published in the early 16th century. The bare bones of Handel's libretto comes mostly from Canto Seven, in which Ruggiero, a paladin knight, wanders into the enchanted realm of the sorceress Alcina. 
Among the many things that charm Ruggiero's senses in this magical place is music. Here's how Ariosto describes the sounds. At board, lyre, lute and harp of tuneful string and other sounds in mixed diversity made round about the joyous palace ring with glorious concert and sweet harmony. Nor lacked their well-accorded voice to sing of love, its passion and its ecstasy, nor who, with rare inventions choicely versed, delightful fiction to the guests rehearsed. Hmm, a glorious concert of instruments, well-accorded voices creating fictions, stories in verse for their listeners about passion, love. We have opera. In a sense, Alcina, the queen of illusion and pleasure, is the perfect opera heroine, or anti-heroine. In fact, the Alcina portions of Orlando Furioso attracted composers from the earliest decades of opera history, including one written by female composer Francesca Caccini, La Liberazione di Ruggero, The Liberation of Ruggero, which was staged in Florence 110 years before Handel's Alcina. Handel himself had written two other operas based on stories from Ariosto's poem, Orlando and Ariodante. To be clear, Handel's libretto for Alcina was not based directly on Ariosto's poem, but rather on a pre-existing anonymous libretto adaptation, which had been used for an opera by Riccardo Broschi, brother of the famous castrato Farinelli. Broschi's L'Isola di Alcina, the island of Alcina, appeared in Rome in 1728, so Handel probably picked up a copy of the libretto during his travels in Italy while looking for singers for his company and decided to use the material for his own adaptation of the story. Handel kept much of the Roman libretto more or less as it was. There were no real copyright agreements in those days, but made a number of significant changes. For instance, he created the character of the boy, Oberto, who is looking for his father in Alcina's kingdom. She's turned him into a lion. This soprano role would be played by a very young John Beard, just a young teenager at the time, who would become one of the most celebrated tenors of his day, singing leading roles in a number of Handel's oratorios. Handel also changed Melissa's sex to Melisso to add a bass role. He also added more choruses, usually sparse in Italian opera seria, but very popular with English audiences. And for the first run of Alcina, Handel inserted some dance music to spotlight the newest novelty on the English stage, the French ballet dancer Marie Salet. But most importantly, Handel made the bad girl, Alcina, the musical and emotional center of the drama. Broski, for example, had assigned more arias to the character of Morgana, Alcina's sister, possibly because she was played by a more famous singer. But Handel gave Alcina seven arias, more than any other character, and he could rely on the star and vocal power of a proven diva, Ana Maria Strada, who had already sung a number of leading roles for Handel, and who was also the only singer of his former troupe who did not defect to the opera of the nobility. The combination of Handel's musical invention, Alcina features astounding emotional range and variety of musical style to match, 
with a powerful leading soprano role, led critics to praise Handel's magic as being the equal of Alcina's mythical powers. The celebrated music critic Charles Burney, in fact, believed that long after Handel's operas were losing their cachet, Alcina deserved to be revived. And in fact, Alcina has been one of Handel's most lastingly popular works. The array of voice types in Alcina provided Handel with a broad palette of timbres for his musical characterizations. In addition to the title female soprano role, there is Ruggiero, originally composed from male castrato in what we would now consider a mezzo-soprano range. And in fact, Ruggiero is usually sung by mezzos in modern productions. Then there is the high soprano role of Alcina's sister, the sorceress Morgana. The boy soprano role of Oberto, now usually sung as a pants role, as well as the rare female alto role of Bradamante, who disguises herself as her brother and comes to rescue Ruggiero, her betrothed, from Alcina's love spell. The composer also wrote arias for the bass role of Melisso, Bradamante's accomplice, and the tenor Oronte, the jilted lover of Morgana. Handel's ability to create so many memorable characters in the opera is even more impressive when you consider that most of the arias have the same basic formal structure. They are almost all what we call da capo arias, that is, from the top arias, from the head. There are two sections, A and B, each with their own text, usually with a contrast in emotional state. After the B section, the A section returns, da capo, giving listeners another chance to hear the main musical material and offering the singer additional opportunity for embellishment, showing off their unique vocal strengths in improvised ornamentation. For his arias, Handel exploited brilliantly the Baroque period concept of musical affect, the ability of music to capture, to communicate, even make the listener feel a particular emotion. Handel made explicit reference to this effective power of music in a piece he wrote a few years after Elchina, his Ode for St. Cecilia's Day, on a poem by John Dryden. In one aria, for example, Handel has the two violin sections play together in unison, in a single line rather than divided parts. And this more piercing timbre serves to illustrate the text, sharp violins proclaim their jealous pangs and desperation. Here is the introduction to sharp violins proclaim from the Ode for St. Cecilia's Day. Desperation. 
Now compare that general sound to the opening of Alcina's first aria in Act Three, Ma quando tornerai, in which she menaces Ruggiero, who is breaking off his relationship with her, saying, but when you return with your feet bound, expect only harshness and cruelty from me. Very similar, right? But of course, since Ma Quando Tornerai is in da capo form, it features a change of emotion in the B section. Having punctuated her angry threat with coloratura fury at the end of the A section, Alcina then seems to collapse. Her feelings for Ruggiero are overwhelming her, resolved in the B section of the aria. She tries one last time to persuade Ruggiero to stay with her, addressing him directly. And yet, because I love you, I still feel mercy for you. You could still placate me, my love, my dearest. You do not want to? Then leave me, unfaithful man. In the B section, Handel not only shifts to more lush orchestration, splitting the violins again and adding in the violas, the cello were always playing the basso continuo part, but the harmony vacillates, uncertain. At first it touches on A-flat major, an unusual choice for the time in relationship to the aria's main key of F major. We pass through E-flat major and finally come to rest on C, when Alcina accepts the unhappy reality of Ruggiero's rejection and returns to the fury of the A section da capo. Let's listen to how Handel contextualizes the B section Alcina's final desperate appeal within the frame of the angry bookends. We'll begin with the last two phrases of the A section before the transition to the B section.
To highlight the breadth of Alcina's emotional range, let's look at a very different aria. This one from Act One, when Alcina is hurt by Ruggiero's accusations that she has been unfaithful. In Ariosto's poem, Alcina's magic has rendered her almost impossibly beautiful. Her form is perfect symmetry. Her hair, not yellow gold, but with brighter luster glows. Her mouth, vermeil tint, is seen to glow with pearl-like teeth, ivory apples for breasts, her hands narrow and long without knot or vein. You get the idea. Alcina's magic is like the ultimate Photoshop. Yet, in this minor mode aria, si, son quella, yes, I am she, Alcina appeals to Ruggiero from a vulnerable and very human position where beauty, even supernatural beauty, depends to a degree on the eye of the beholder who may change his mind. The accompaniment of si son quella is noticeably simple even spare, only basso continuo, usually the harpsichord and cello. There is little written in vocal coloratura. In fact, the cello line of the basso continuo is more active than the vocal line. Let's listen to the opening section. Thank you. 
Of course, in Handel's day, the lead soprano was only one of the star players in Italian opera seria. Castrati were celebrated for their powerful high voices in male heroic roles. Handel created the role of Ruggiero for the castrato Giovanni Carestini. The composer had convinced Carestini to leave Italy and come to London a couple of years earlier. Carestini hit the ground singing, so to speak, and had already premiered leading characters in four Handel operas by the time he sang Ruggiero. This role is unusual, without a grand entrance aria, partly because Ruggiero is not himself for much of the opera, as he's under Alcina's spell, forgetting his previous life, including Bradamante and his duties as a knight, who should be out there fighting noble battles of honor. He is completely besotted with Alcina and the pleasure of her palace. And for those of you who have seen Tannhäuser, you might notice a common theme here. One of the most striking passages in the opera occurs when Ruggiero is brought back to his senses through the help of a magic ring. The stage directions indicate that the beautiful chamber where Ruggiero and Melisso are standing transforms back to its true state. Un luogo orride e deserto, a horrid wasteland. The stark and angular theme of the instrumental Ritrovello strikes like a battlefield slap, prompting Ruggiero to be stunned back to reality, to ask, what magic has cleared my mind? <laughs> Handel's seemingly limitless power of invention comes through again with Ruggiero's aria Verdi Prati from Act Two. Handel scholar Winton Dean notes that Ruggiero is the only character in the opera whose utterances are not couched exclusively in da capo or dal segno form. In fact, Verdi Prati is in what we call rondo form with a short melody that recurs, alternating with new material. The setting is transparent, basically choral like a hymn, uncluttered with written ornamentation or counterpoint. It is also, as Dean describes it, the apotheosis of Handel's long love affair with Sarabande rhythm. The Sarabande is a slower triple meter dance, which means it is grouped in beats of three, usually with an accent on the second beat. So one, two, three, one, two, three. 
The story goes that Carestini threw a fit about the simplicity of this number, which he thought did nothing to highlight his vocal prowess. Even though singers were generally better paid and more revered than composers during the 18th century, Handel never had a problem telling them off. He snapped back at the castrato with characteristic bite that he, Handel, knew best how to write for Carestini's voice. History has taken Handel's side because Verdi Prati is still one of the favorite numbers from the opera. The aria captures a moment of stillness when Ruggiero, having broken from Alcina's love spell and reunited with Bradamante, has vowed to destroy the urn that holds Alcina's power. So just when he should be getting down to business, we know Morgana is already on her way to warn her sister Alcina, Ruggiero stops to look around at the magical paradise around him. Verdi Prati expresses nostalgia and even a little regret that the green meadows, charming woods, lovely flowers, and running streams will soon disappear, leaving only ruin. In the end, of course, Handel did compose a bravura aria for Carestini, Sta nel Ircana. This is the opera's only example of a simile aria, which means the text should provide a poetic metaphor for the dramatic situation. In this case, Ruggiero, who is about to go and fight Alcina, sings about a conflicted tigress who senses that the hunter is coming and would like to flee his arrows, but also does not want to leave her cubs alone in the lair. She is caught between bloodlust and love, but love wins. 
Honestly, the simile doesn't make that much dramatic sense at this juncture. Who's the tigress, Alcina? Then who are her cubs? But in fact, Handel seemed more interested in giving Ruggiero a chance to show he's really a warrior at heart, to wield his sword, which he has laid aside for sensual pleasure. As an aural cue, Handel includes horns in the orchestral accompaniment for a touch of added grandeur. And there is plenty of vocal flash as well. Imitations of the horn calls of battle and some lightning fast coloratura. Here's a short but riveting excerpt. <laughs> Handel didn't cheat the other singers, all of whom have splendid arias, from Morgana's show opener, the delightfully coquettish O Sapre del Riso, when she falls for the cross-dressed Bradamante, to young Oberto's lament for his lost father, to Oronte's bitter expressions of rejected love, and even Melissa's one aria, when he pleased earnestly with Ruggiero to think of Bradamante, who has suffered so much. In fact, I'd like to follow Melissa's suggestion and recognize Bradamante now, because she truly is a fascinating vocal role and a legendary character. Think about it. Ruggiero is a male character written for a male singer with an altered voice in the female range, which is now usually sung by a female mezzo-soprano becoming a pants role. It's a lot of gender shifting. But Bradamante was composed for a female singer in the alto range, which was also a comfortable range for some male singers as well, and who, moreover, successfully passes as a man. Her part falls in a range that is lower than Ruggiero's, at least in the notated score. When Alcina, Ruggiero, and Bradamante sing together in the final trio of the opera, Bradamante's melody is the deepest in range. Appearing both as her brother, and as her female self, Bradamante is intriguingly gender fluid, seeming to inhabit both the masculine and the feminine equally well according to the dramatic situation. In the various Ruggiero legends, the knight and his Bradamante have a hard time staying together. The Alcina episode is just one of their misadventures. For starters, Ruggiero has wanderlust. Time and again, the magical Melissa, or Melisso in the opera, another gender switch, continuously has to intervene to help the couple to overcome obstacles. But Bradamante is not the usual lady waiting for her knight to come home. She herself is a warrior, and in the opera, she goes to rescue Ruggiero, ready for a fight. Bradamante is fierce. In fact, in one Ruggiero story, he loses a fight and is so mortified he wants to kill himself imagining that he is no longer worthy of Bradamante's love. Melissa tells him that he has it all wrong. Why? Because the knight who beat him was Bradamante herself, in disguise, obviously. So it's all good. And ironically, Ruggiero's okay with that. In Alcina, Bradamante, who has been very patient, finally loses her temper. When, when after Ruggiero has been shown the truth of the sorceress's illusions, 
he rejects her again, arguing that she must be just another trick because Bradamante can't possibly be there. Underestimated once more, Bradamante unleashes her frustration in the bravura aria, vorrei vindicarmi. Literally, I wish to avenge myself, but maybe more accurately translated today as, Ruggiero, you are going to be in a world of hurt. Let's listen to this fiery da capo aria, beginning with the astonishing vocal pyrotechnics of the A section through to the end of the B section, where Bradamante chastises Ruggiero in more fatalistic terms. Merciless man, you may even shed my blood. The allegro tempo slows abruptly to larghetto, and the music shifts harmonically to the relative minor in a slow triple meter. To close, I want to acknowledge the opera's choruses, so dear to English audiences of the time and to choral singers pretty much any time. Handel's choral music is arguably one of his most popular and enduring legacies. And the opening chorus of Alcina invites not just Ruggiero, but us, the listeners, to enter a world of beauty and delights. Here is air of contentment. Here is the heart of enjoyment. Here is the elysium of the living. 
Here pleasure makes heroes. I leave you with these graceful sounds and the invitation it contains. The magic of Handel and Alcina awaits. You've been listening to LA Opera's Behind the Curtain. If you've enjoyed listening to this podcast, you'll want to make sure you don't miss an episode. Please subscribe and leave a rating or review on Apple iTunes, Google Play, or wherever you listen. Remember to share with your friends on your favorite social media, and we'll see you at the opera.